0: The Cocoa Express show for Saturday, the 17th of January, 2015. We are here today, and I have to tell you, I just got to reading some posts on Facebook, and I shouldn't do that before I do the show because I get so wound up in some of the silly statements and articles that I read. However, today is not about me ranting about Facebook. Today is about speaking about people making decisions and taking actions to take a stand for what they believe in. Today we have a very interesting young man with us, and it's KYD Works, and um, he also, well, his real name is Deson Barrow, and he has a very interesting story to tell. And as you all know, that when you come aboard the Koko Express show, you're allowed to tell your story your way. And I wanted, I wanted to have him on the show because we are going through some really troubling times. And you know, in all honesty, I've kept my silence and. It's just unbelievable how much more we see happening as the days go by, more things being opened up, more more information is being made privy to our resources so that we can learn and hear what's going on. And it is imperative that we know what's going on in our communities, in our environments, in our city, in our state, in our government, in our country, in the world, because it enables us to make rational decisions based on information and facts, not hearsay and innuendo, and it's necessary. So please allow me to take this opportunity to bring to you KYTX. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Hey, how are you today?
1: I'm quite well. How are you?
0: I'm doing well,
1: thank you, and I hope you're feeling better. I am, I am. I, I appreciate the opportunity for me to come back on the venue. I know I um I missed my slot last week. I was I was under the weather,
0: and that's fine. That is okay because I have to admit I started off the New Year's with the flu, so I understand.
1: Well, I do. I truly appreciate the um the opportunity. Like I said, um, a lot of people uh, I noticed fall back a little bit from wanting me to speak on specific issues or topics where they might want me to focus more on the craft of my music as if that should be the most pertinent thing because I am a musician and, you know, for for someone to recognize the fact that even though I do music, there's so much more that should be and needs to be touched upon on a on a serious level.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I read your bio, and I really do think that you should tell your story because it's really interesting to know that you touch upon the demographics of everything. And I recently listened to this CD, and I was traveling back and forth to New York, and I popped in the CD. It was like an eight-CD thing. And it talked about demographics, and I never really – Understood how important demographics are in everything that we do. It's demographics that allow us to be where we are. It's demographics that allow us to have what we have. It's demographics that allows us to move in the direction that we move into. And no one really seems to get that. And when I read some of the information, I'm like, he gets it. And we really need to talk about this.
1: <laughs> well, um. I feel like demographics at the same time as it being a a channel for us or an understanding of where our base is, knowing what your demographic is at the same time, once most of us know what our demographic is, we get tight cast into it, boxed into it, and we enclose ourselves into it because of that level of comfort that comes from knowing what our demographic is. So for me, as a musician, as an individual, just as a being, I didn't feel like there was a demographic that could hold me. So you know, has the name Killing Your Demographic. My my nickname was always kid but the KYD changed from what it originally stood for to Killing Your Demographic as I evolved as a person because I realized that I was I was boxing myself in, I was being typecast and my choices were boxing me in and I wanted to break those boundaries so, you know, I I transformed into Killing Your Demographic works.
0: Okay. Now tell us a little bit about your choices and you know and how you came to be where you are now.
1: Um, I don't believe in mistakes. So, for everything I've done, whether it's labeled good, bad, or in between, it was just a choice. It was the choices of the people I was surrounding myself with, the choices that I was making in my day-to-day life, and the actions that I was taking. And I, I did things that led me down a path of being incarcerated um, at the age of. 22 to the age of 25. And that was my time to be completely introspective and rehash and revisit all of the choices that I had made and to see the correlation between choice and outcome for everything that I did. So whereas, again, I was tight cast by choice into a specific demographic and my circumstance for certain situations... I realized that it was my choice to be more, excel, and exceed the expectations that not only others had on me, but I had on myself, based on the demographic I had put myself into. So, I came out of that situation, and I hit the ground running. I just built myself up mentally and spiritually and physically. And I'm continuously building myself up mentally, physically, and spiritually because every day is going to be a a new battle.
0: That is, that's amazing because of the simple fact that most people do not acknowledge the fact that they put themselves in certain situations. Um, We sometimes fail to realize that we're responsible for our outcomes more than we want to believe. And for you to say that, that just be fine on who you are as a person today as opposed to who you may have been yesterday. And there's another interesting fact that you also mentioned that is in your bio as well is that you um, you found yourself aligning yourself with childhood friends. And were those the same friends that had you going down the wrong path or were those friends there before?
1: And with that situation, it, it's Irony that the friend that you speak of, uh, Vincent Hanneman, he's the co-creator of Don't Shoot program, known as Stop Don't Shoot amongst you know our peers and, and the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he was he was one of those people that was on the wrong path by choice and was never trying to lead me off. He's a few years older than me, and he did more time than me. He I think eight years, eight and a half years out of a ten year sentence and that was his time to be completely introspective because he lost so many years of his life but instead of him coming home trying to get back time that was lost, that's what a lot of people do as if that's possible to get back time that time came and went you used it just you know in the raw sense came home and realized that he could make an impact I came home and realized I could make an impact. And we didn't actually link back up until we had both been home for maybe six or eight months. And we just started talking, and we were on the same path. When we were off the track, we were both on the same path. When we were back on the track, we were both on the same path. And he enrolled in college. I enrolled myself in college. He started a program. I started my company. His program is a company. Don't shoot is a company. And we aligned ourselves because we realized that the same way we were doing so much negative years ago and it wasn't hard for us to get people to want to join in to do negative, it was never an issue to get as many people as possible to come do negative and be around it. We realized we used that same energy to try to save some of the same people, you know, might not have gone through what we went through if it was not too late, but to try to get to those that, might be in the beginning stages of choosing what their path is going to be. And we lead by example. You can't just talk about, yo. Oh, you need to go to school. You, you need your education, and this is why you need your education. No, we're in school. I'm going to have my degree in two semesters, and then I want to take it even further. And with the Don't Shoot program, instead of us trying to isolate a specific incident or take one form of the misuse of the firearm, we decided to encapsulate all of it and try to really educate our peers on all of it. Suicides, those that are hit by straight bullets. Yes, of course, the inappropriate use and misappropriation of power by those in power who are sworn to protect and serve our communities. Mm -hmm. But for me, I wanted to get deeper than that. And it, it works because he's... Approaching it on a different level with the same goal And I'm approaching it from a different level With the same goal in mind I want to get to the heart of the issue And the heart of the issue for a lot of these people Is the the psychology of the people We're dealing with What is their mind state Why does that mind state exist Why are we still perpetuating The same exact stereotype Or feeling or fear That is again Putting certain people in the demographic That might not actually be a part of it But based on their look or parents or their geographic location, there are others that will have, again, that fear, that misunderstanding, and then there's a lack of communication. So, not through my music. I'll never say that through my music where you get all of these messages because my life has been not one track. My music is not one track. I'm not a conscious rap, I'm a conscious individual. So my music is reflective of all of my experiences, you know, my emotion That's my cathartic release, but through my ability to speak to my peers, to go to different colleges, to go to the events that we have in the city and just speak, I've been able to make more of an impact. It brings me fans of the music, but it's beyond the music. So, again, back to the program with Don't Shoot, if we could get one person to truly understand it, and truly involve themselves with it, the mentality of it, the lifestyle change, then they have the the opportunity now to spark another, and then that person has the opportunity to spark another. So the goal would be one day, just one day, where there's no gun death in this country. Mm -hmm. It seems far-fetched for many. Mm -hmm. It seems impossible to the others. But if we don't set that peak, that high, I don't think we're ever going to excel and get to the point that we need to be at because, again, we'll become placid, We'll become comfortable if we set that bar low and we get there. We become comfortable. We might not set it higher, but we just set the bar as high as possible and we strive to get there and we're helping others to strive to get there if they so choose because we can't force this information on anyone. I'm not here to be a preacher. I'm not here to tell people you have to do this, but when you give people choice, it it works in your favor instead of trying to force things on people like many do.
0: It's really interesting because, um, as you know, we're in like, we're coming close to Black History Month, we're in Dr. King's, you know, birthday week of of service, and um, I guess last The last two weeks, they played the, um, or the last month, I can say, they had Malcolm X's movie done by Spike Lee. And it's really interesting how you are somewhat similar in experience, so to speak, and you have taken the time and opportunity to come out, and you're saying that everything that's happened to you, happened to you for a reason, and now you have the opportunity to show people several different things. You are showing them that yes, people do make mistakes and yes, people are held accountable for the mistakes that they they make. You're also showing them that when you are in a place where you are limited in your ability to do things as, as the normal person would be, you have two choices. You have the choice to let your environment take hold of you Or you take hold of your environment and use that opportunity and time to make yourself better, become better, be more. And the other thing you're showing us also is that I'm going to come out and I'm going to be me, but the new me is multifaceted. I am not putting myself in different compartments. I'm letting you know, this is how I live my life. This is what I believe. And in my creative freedom, I am using that to show you what I have experienced, what it is like to be me, to have been me. And you can mix the two if you want, but I'm comfortable with saying that the world needs to change, and this is who I am, and I'm going to try to do it. Am I right with that?
1: Yeah, that's that's that's, that's pretty much it on the nose. Yeah, I, I grew up reading, studying, trying to understand the mindset of Alpha Max, Huey Newton. Bobby Field, Eldridge Cleaver, Martin Luther King Jr., all of these people, without me ever meeting them, they helped shape and shift me and who I am today because I didn't adhere to those lessons even though I studied so much of it. It was like, it was something that was told to me many years ago that you would have an infinite well of knowledge, but it means nothing if you don't know how to share it. And when I was younger it was it was that moment that it was that moment in my time where I did not know how to properly share it. Because I could like an encyclopedia just dish out information because I retained it so well. But that information meant nothing to the people I was saying it to because if it's in a drunken moment or, you know, people around me are high or we're about to go through something really stupid, those words just became words, and they had no true meaning, depth, or value, and I didn't want to see that or understand that until I was in a situation, again, being incarcerated, and I had gentlemen that are never going to go home basically telling me what I already knew, but it, 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 it rang true to my soul because of the fact that they were trying to impart their information to me so that the good that was in them could live through me when I went home.
0: Hmm. That's really, really interesting. I mean, I, that's a profound statement, that the good that's in them would live through you. And we never hear this. We never know about this. We just think it's, um, you know, people on the outside who've never had any experience who just think that in there it's like a zoo. But it's not.
1: And I it, think it, 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 Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, no, I I apologize. Um it, it is and it isn't. Because there are misconceptions about the correctional facilities and you know, shows like locked up don't do it justice, it shows one side of it. It always shows one side of it, but it's for a purpose because these institutions have become commercial. Um these institutions aren't truly designed to reform or rehabilitate the convicts that are inside of it. Instead, it is like Michelle Alexander. She's a great author. She wrote um, The New Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. It is, for me, a, a new form of slavery. And yes, mm-hmm. it's in the that we put ourselves into, but when you get in there, yes, it is a zoo-like element because you have special holding units, the box, the shoe, uh, the hole, and It looks like a zoo because the rec pen, the recreational pen, is attached to the cell that you have to stay in for 23 hours. And your one hour out is not actually out because that cage, and it's an actual cage, is attached to your cell. And the door just pops open for that hour. So if you're a passerby and you look, you will look up and just see rows of cages stacked on top of each other. And human beings in it. And it is. It's like a zoo. But light exists within us. So when we're put in the darkness of places, again, we're left with a choice. To find our light and let it shine, to guide us through it. Or to let the darkness that is around us absorb our light and we lose ourselves to it. So those systems aren't made to rehabilitate us. We rehabilitate ourselves and some people choose not to that's mm-hmm. why the, the rate is so high so I, get it. I was fortunate I was fortunate enough to already have a base of knowledge a self worth a self love so that while in that situation I made the best of it while in the worst situation I had been in I I trained myself mentally, physically, and spiritually. And instead of surrounding myself with people that were ready to come back there within a month or two of going home, I surrounded myself with people who didn't think they were ever going to go home because they had a certain amount of time to life so they never really knew when they would, or people that had life who knew they weren't going to go home because their understanding of self was so different from a person who was doing what we call a skid bid who might have two years or three years and they look at it like it's not a big deal. You know, I, I could do this two years. I could do this and I'll go home and I'll try it again. Hopefully I'll be better at whatever illegal activity I was doing and I won't get caught. That's the mindset of many. And because that situation is not meant to reform or rehabilitate you, because so many of these jails are taking the college programs out or programs that actually gear a person to go home to be a productive member of their community it's a revolving door and you have to expect people to go back because many people are fortified mentally. They didn't go in there with the wealth of knowledge. They didn't go in there with the love for self. They went in there with nothing. They were given nothing while there. So when they go home to nothing it should be expected for them to come
0: back. Wow. Wow. And What were some of the things? I mean, I know that you still continue to do your music while you were in, correct?
1: Yeah. um, I wrote um, maybe four and a half, I feel like four and a half composition notebooks while I was in there. Okay.
0: And, um, you know, it was, well, for me, I'm curious, and I guess I'm curious to know, um, what kept your spirit so strong? I mean really
1: kept your spirits so strong. Well, I'm fortunate to have an extremely loving family and a great support system and through all of the hell that I put my family through, they they stood by me because they knew the child that they had raised, they knew what they had imparted to me originally, and they had the belief that even though I was in a situation, it was at that time that everything they had said would basically just replay in my head, which it did, and I found out about the birth of my son while I was incarcerated, so my mother being out here in the world, my my younger brother being out here in the world, my grandmother, my aunt, the people that had always been there since day one, they were still there, so before I even knew about my son, they were the fire that, that kept me going, and then when I found out about my son, I... I had a an epiphany in the sense that it wasn't an overnight change, it was an instantaneous change because at that moment, I knew that there was no more option of going back because during the first year and a half in there, I did at times question whether i had when, when once I had the opportunity to go home, was I going to do the same thing? was I going to surround myself with the same people was I really ready? Once I found out about him, it was instantaneous. I knew I was ready. There was no... that I, I eliminated the other choice. So I left myself with only one, to succeed. So I fought. To gain knowledge while I was in there. To build my craft while I was in there. To study business while I was in there. To study the business I was trying to get into. To understand the ins and outs. And I wanted to come home and be an example for him. Because I... I know if I can't be that example for him, and he is the closest to me, he is the one that by nature's law will revere me, love and respect me if I'm there. If I can't do right by him, and I can't lead him, and I can't show him everything that I say I believe in, then how could I possibly show anyone else?
0: Excellent. That is amazing. and. I have to commend you because there are a lot of people that just wouldn't take that approach to it, and I'm, I'm glad you did. And it's interesting that – it's really interesting because I always tell people when you have a child, your whole world changes, whether you expect it to or not. You become their their world, and they're going to look at you from their eyes at your world, and if it's not right – these are the images, and these are the messages they're going to form, and this is how they're going to develop based on what they see and based on what they experience. And it's really up to us to kind of make that, or make the child or break the child. To be honest with you, you either make them or break them by your actions and your your interactions with them.
1: Thank you. I, I really appreciate. it. Um, yes. There are too many. There are too many um, fatherless children. In the world But especially in this country Especially for African Americans Latino Americans There's There's a stereotype And a statistic that Unfortunately is is true and real of, Of abandonment When it comes to children The lack of understanding of The responsibility that comes along with it And it's probably based on the fact that my father Had left when I was young Very young so, again, everything being in the back of my mind, it was just, it was like a do or die moment mm-hmm. for me mentally. It was like, am I going to let my past truly dictate who and what I am, or am I going to, at this moment, decide who and what I am going to be? That's all I really did.
0: Now, now that you are here yeah. and you are you are. Moving and shaking, I'm going to call it that. And you have this mission now, and it's called the Don't Shoot Mission. Now, with so much, I mean, enormous amount of violence, gun violence going on, we have it globally. It's not that it's just in this community or this neighborhood. It is across the globe. Um, For example, we have the, uh, the Paris situation that just happened. That's one form of gun violence. We have the wars that are going on. That's a different form of gun violence. We have the mom that was shot by her child while she was changing a diaper. That's another form of gun violence. We have the woman in Philadelphia who was walking to the bus stop going to work one morning and someone shot her in the head. That's another form of gun violence. Then you have the gun violence that goes on in the communities related to silly things. Now, According to what you're saying, according to some of the demographics that you kind of put out there, you know, that there are 30,000 gun deaths each year with an estimate of 57% of the deaths being attributed to suicide. Yes. If, if 57% are attributed to suicide and the rest of them are attributed to, you know, the 43% is attributed to this other stuff that's going on, we've got a mess. Yeah, those those numbers are
1: astonishing. Um and I honestly feel like those numbers are lowball because there are so many things that don't get reported, so many people that aren't found. And when it comes to the Justice Department and the police force, there are many deaths that are basically seen as write-offs in the sense that it was a justifiable homicide, so it might not even get documented to the point where the CDC gets that information. So the numbers are, honestly, in my opinion, a lot higher than what we know. Again, for us to make any type of difference when it comes to those specific instances, we need to address the individual. You know, there are people that want to speak to the masses and generalize everything as if it applies to everyone, but there's only so much that can be seen as a commonality between us, and then you need to get to the heart of each person. And that alone is (laughs) incredibly difficult because there are so many people And as one person, again, I can only speak to a person here, a person there. It's going to take a united effort. It's going to take our organization working with any and every organization that aims to educate suicide prevention. There are even new programs now that are aimed to teach our police force how to interact with us. It's sad that it needs to be done, but for us to pretend that it doesn't need to be done is, is, is ignorance, mm-hmm. and we can't play the blind eye anymore because in 2015, social media rules are society, and everything is a click away. It's scary that my son, who's already well-versed with the computer at four years old, could accidentally click on someone being killed live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. did thirty seconds later. Okay. Gee. And you know, and you know, coming up, those those images weren't made available to us. We didn't know about, you know, like actual murders stuff like that. I mean, from my perspective, until I went to a movie, I lived in Brooklyn, I'm gonna admit, you know, I, I didn't live in the suburbs. I lived in Brooklyn and there were things that went on and you were aware of things but you didn't really actually see some of the heinous crimes that we see now that are just played out every
1: day. Yeah, it's true. And we are becoming desensitized to it. Not everyone, but as a whole, we're becoming desensitized to it because we're seeing it so often. And there are so many that are feeling as if it's not relevant to them because it's not happening directly to someone that they know. But if we wait, If each person uses that mindset and just waits until it affects someone that we know, there will be a lot more deaths. Whether it's accidental or purposeful, there will be a lot more deaths. And so much can be prevented just by communicating. A lot of it, you can't stop everyone. Some people are set in their ways. Some people have issues that can't be resolved just through a conversation. But there are so many people that can. There are so many people that if someone just, Stop them in their moment of rage or before they even get to that moment of rage and speak to them, you can save a life without realizing it. And that's the, that's that's what I am trying to get people to do, to realize that you don't need to be the most articulate person to tell someone, talk to me. You don't need to be completely versed in the, in the Webster's Dictionary to say to a person, let me know what's going on and that's what a lot of us do we play blind eyes we see signs we see things we know without knowing the gift that we all have our intuition and a lot of us don't adhere to those feelings because again the individuals that I grew up around people that aren't here with me anymore i don't i can't take the blame for their choices and actions but i can always go back and say to myself could it have made a difference if I would have just said something? Would it have made a difference if I would have just said, listen, this ain't the way to go? Because that's all it takes sometimes, like I said, and it doesn't always work but majority of us don't even try. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, you're company, don't you? What, what, how can people get involved? How can people help you? How can we help you spread your message?
1: Well, with the Don't Shoot program, being that um, Vincent started it as a company for profit, we didn't want to do not for profit because of the government having basically complete regulation over how we move, when we move, what we do. We, we sell little things, T-shirts, hoodies, with the logo of Don't Shoot. It starts with people just promoting it. And 20% of the profits go to other organizations to fund them, again, that are aimed on getting guns off the street, suicide prevention, and just educating. So for people that want to get involved, they can link with us through the Facebook fan page. Because, again, social media is the most dominant piece right now. So we use it. So through Facebook, they can link with us, find out where we're going to be, when we're going to be, what they can do to help. They can link with me directly through any of my social media, and I can direct them. Instance or any of the other affiliates, they can link with us on Instagram. The website The Rise of is under construction and almost done. My website will be launched this week, um, dot Com, which will also have a Don't Shoot section in it, and just to give information to keep people updated. I put together showcases. I do shows, and I don't try to just make it a show. I don't want to turn it into a seminar, but there's nothing wrong with taking five minutes to give people a little bit of knowledge and give them the choice of wanting to see more, hear more, or not. So we're just trying to reach everyone, and we know that through the internet, through social media, through our campaign in the streets and the colleges, much as the community, uh, Lehman, Mercy, we have the opportunity to really grow. So we can be reached easily. Myself, for Vincent, we can be reached easily, and I never turned anyone's conversation away and I never turned down anyone's request to speak.
0: It's really interesting. Uh um about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, we had a young gentleman on the show and was his, his name was King Ian Jake and he was a rapper and some of his lyrics were a little controversial, but he wasn't. And the beauty of him was that during his rap shows he would hand out because he had his own condom company. He would hand out condoms. And at first, I was like, what? And But then when I really sat down and thought about it, it really made sense. It was probably the most brilliant marketing concept that I had ever come across, because where do you have the most people gathered together? And when do you get their attention? How do you get their attention? Those are all things that you try to you know, take into account when you're trying to Get your message out. Here he has his his followers, his fans right there in front of him. And he's saying to them, this is my music. This is what I believe in my music. This is me and everything. But it doesn't have to be you. And I'm giving you a choice and an option. If you're going to go home with somebody tonight, do it right here. I'm helping you. And indirectly, he's saving lives, you know. And you too have the same message. And you're like, look. I don't know what you're gonna do. This is my life. This is how I, you know how things have gone in my life and everything, this is how I played out. However you have a choice. You know, they're gonna to listen to you because you have them captured, you have them at your attention right then and there. They like your music, they're gonna follow you, and they're gonna to listen to you. You are setting an example because you're saying there is a right way and wrong way to do things. Enjoy peaceably and have a great life. And it's amazing because I mean, I'm hearing this twice,
1: and, and, and I just find it so genius, so genius. I agree, and I, I thank you for really taking note of, of what it is that I'm doing. Um, I do feel like I'm going to have a lot of people's attention based on the music, and I don't want that to be the only thing that I'm known for because if a person – doesn't hear me speak, they come to a show and I don't speak and I just go straight to the music and it's their first time ever having any encounters with me, they might get the wrong impression and they might feel like based on the lyric out of a song or the energy that I brought during the performance of a song that I'm about to go out there and do something crazy. But again, me retelling the stories and, you know, the experiences and conveying my emotion is just it's my cathartic release and if people can relate to specific lyrics and songs because it applies to their station in life at the moment or their feeling of their mindset I appreciate it but I feel like I have to speak so they can see that beyond that music there's a person behind it and that person is a living testament to choice to the acceptance and understanding that it's all in my hands and a lot of us feel like we don't have choice. So, yeah, I do I do definitely want to just remind as many people as possible whenever I get the opportunity to, whether it's just in general conversation while I'm getting my hair braided or if I'm just, you know, in between classes on campus or if I'm, you know, I'm a personal trainer I own a fitness company. If I'm training one of my clients, I just might start talking to them and giving them a couple of my views and the facts that I have and then letting them know there's a choice there. Because if you remind the people that there's a choice and you make it conscious for them, you make it tangible for them, it's harder for them to ignore it. It's harder for them to keep going on with the mindset that they have no choice because there's so many things around us that are going to try to enforce the fact that we have no choice. But we do. Excellent.
0: Excellent. I have to applaud you because... You could have let everything beat you down, and you didn't. And you could have just said, I'm just going to do me, and you're not doing that. And that takes a lot. That says a great deal about who you are as a man. And, you know, there are many definitions of the word, you know, of what it constitutes to be a man. There are many definitions of what it constitutes to be a father and all those other things. And you have taken all of the positive aspects of that, and you have put it all together, and you are doing some amazing things because... It takes a really strong individual to come from out of the darkness, so to speak, and make the moves and strides that you're making at this particular time in your life. And there's no other way to go but up, right? Yeah,
1: there's, there's no, there's nowhere to go but up. You know, I, I've I've been to the bottom. I've been to my bottom. Everyone's bottom is different, but I've been to mine, and there's nowhere else to go but up. There's there's no turning back. There's no looking back. and There's no giving up. None of what I'm doing is supposed to be easy. There's a lot of work involved. um, A lot of sacrifice involved. But seeing that goal, seeing that big picture, understanding where everything can take me and will take me, it, it gives me that sense of fulfillment. And it lets me know that every day, even if I'm, faced with the opportunity to go backwards, which every day I will be, because you know you, you can you can run from your past, but at some point certain aspects of it will resurface, and that is the test. It's not when everything is going good and great for me that shows whether my change is real and whether I am what I am striving to be. It's only when those new pitfalls arise, that I get to see my own strength and see how far I've truly come based on how I handle my situation, based on my emotional response, based on my line of thinking. So I'm thankful for all of the pitfalls. I'm thankful for all of my poor choices. And I would never tell another person that they should make the poor choice so that they can learn the lesson. A wise man can learn through another man's story. He doesn't need to experience it himself. It's like reading that really good book, and you get caught up in it, and at some point you forget you're reading a book, and you feel like you're there. That emotion, that feeling, when you watch that good movie, and, you know, you might feel a tear welling up in your eyes because of a scene, because the emotion is conveyed, and you understand the experience. It's a human experience, so... Every day is, is a new, like I said before, every day is a new battle. Every day is a new choice. But the fact that I'm going to continue on the path that I'm on is for me my drive. That is my drive. It recycles okay. okay. You know, and I wanted to
0: just tell you there's like one thing that keeps popping up in my head and I just wanted to share it with you. I guess it's a message that I keep getting and it's um train up your child the way they can go and they won't fly far from it. And I believe that is your message, that you were trained a certain way, and even though you departed somewhat from it, you you turned around and came back to it. And this is the same thing, the same opportunity that you are giving to other people. All the people that you meet and encounter and talk to and interact with, and even the son that you're raising and the children that you'll have in the future, they are all going to benefit from the way that you were trained from the beginning, in the beginning. And you're leaving a legacy That you may not see right now and you may not even understand, but you're leaving a legacy that's going to kind of have an echoing effect way into the future. And there's not much more that, you know, a person can say to you because you're doing all the right things in all the right ways and you are thinking in a manner that is allowing you to realize that you are human and you will make mistakes and you will be challenged and there will be, you know, obstacles as well as little tests just to see if you are true to what you're doing. And you have all of that in place and you're well aware of all of the things that you need to. And you should just write a book, okay? Just write the book.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll find that time where I can actually sit down and put all of this into writing. I I, I actually did attempt it um, while I was incarcerated, and there was an issue that had happened, and that book was taken from me, and it was seen as contraband. So after that, I, I never put the pen to paper for that purpose. But I, I, You're I, I, out now.
0: Just, you're here, and you're able to do it, and you can go online, and you can do it and have it done and out and in about six months.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think that is something that I will definitely look into because books shape me, you know, books save me in a lot of different ways and situations. So I, I do know the power of the written word with watching music. Mm-hmm. So I just
0: I just want to say to you that, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people and I've had a lot of people come on the show and talk and I've interacted with a few people as well on a, you know, personal level. And you have really impacted me in a way that I don't think that I will ever be the same. And I want to thank you.
1: Well, I thank you again just for giving me the opportunity. I really truly do for any and every person that gives me the opportunity to speak and not have it just be about music.
0: Well, I wanted you to tell your story your way because reading, I always read between the lines. And based on what I read, I know there's so much more. And I want to thank you for being so open and honest and telling us exactly, you know, your experiences, what you think, how you think and how you come about your way of thinking. That's important for people to understand because we only get to see, you know, your persona and, we only get to see a certain a certain dimension of a person, and we don't know how deep it is or not. And when we do get the opportunity to find out who a person really is, it gives us more of an opportunity to really connect with them. And I thank you. I thank you so much. I am really honored to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. I truly appreciate it.
0: Yes. And you are welcome back. If You, you know, whenever you want to come back, you know, just let Angela know. And or you know, send me a text and I'll and I'll reach out to him as well.
1: Most definitely, most definitely.
0: Okay, so it was indeed a pleasure, and I wish you all the best. And when you graduate, have fun. <laughs> Don't rush into getting the next degree. Have a little fun, take a breather first, and digest what you've done, and then assess. Because having a whole bunch of degrees. Um, and I'm going to tell you from experience because I I have a few, it doesn't mean anything if you don't apply them. Yeah, that's true. Okay? You you, You have PhDs who are unemployed. You understand what I'm saying? So you have an education through your life experience that cannot be taught in any school. And, you know... Get as much as you can. Do as much as you want to do. But I'm just saying don't make it the chase for the degree. Just make it the chase for the um, practical application of what you just learned.
1: Yeah. That's, That's all it is to me. I have to just use practical application for everything I know.
0: Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's my two cents on it and everything. But I just have to say thank you so much. I have really learned a great deal from you and I appreciate you so much and I wish you all the best and I hope you come back to visit us again.
1: The pleasure was all mine and I definitely will. I'll keep you posted on everything that's going on.
0: Okay, great. So you have a great day and enjoy your weekend.
1: You too.
0: Okay, thanks. So everyone that was Kid Words. And I really I really have to tell you that as you know, after each interview that I do I, I say a little something. And there's not a lot of words I can say other than amazing young man. And you know it takes a lot for you to come back from adversity. It does. It takes a lot. There are a lot of people who just don't make it. You have mental hospitals that are filled with them. But what it what it says to each and one, each and every one of us, which I say to each and every one every time, be good to yourself. Believe in yourself. Follow your dreams and go with your passion. You won't go wrong because your internal mechanism is telling you, be good to you. So he is a true testament of being good to yourself and turning around when you know that you made a wrong choice. So on that note, I wish each and every one of you a wonderful weekend. And I want you to know that we're here for you and we love you and we thank you. And we also thank each and every guest that comes on the show because they share themselves with us and we are grateful for it. Have an amazing weekend God bless That's our show for today So until next time Keep it real, listen, learn, and live